This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Don't forget about me, the dunkster. Presented by BetMGM. And we are off on a Monday. It is a daily tip from BQL presented by BetMGM. Thank you for waking up with us across the country. It's never easy this early getting the week started. I'm Michael Jenkins live in D.C. She is Chelsea Messenger live in Nashville, Tennessee. Coming up on this Monday edition, we will check out all the action from last night's Sunday night football with the Dolphins visiting the Eagles. How do we feel about the college football landscape? After Ohio State's domination of Penn State, I know Double D doesn't want to talk about that. A defensive-minded game in that one. We'll chat about that as well. At 640, a huge matchup tonight in Philly with the – oh, I was going to talk about football there with the Phillies trying to close out their series against the Diamondbacks. We also get a game seven in the ALCS with the Astros and Rangers as well in H-Town. And then at seven o'clock, we'll cast our votes and decide who had the best weekend in sports, followed by a preview of tonight's game six – and Game 7, more NFL reaction at 8 o'clock with Week 7 almost in the books in the NFL. And finally, money-making time at 8.45. Chelsea, how are you? Good morning. We have plenty to talk about in the betting world because what carnage did we see for the public on an NFL Sunday? Jenks, it felt like every single play that was a public one was an absolute loser. In fact, mm-hmm. uh, we had, let's see, seven bets that had over 73% of the money on them were losers. So it was one of those weeks in the NFL that kind of felt chaotic. I am certainly glad that I didn't put a bunch of bets on the NFL side as my official plays because I would have gotten absolutely creamed. Because we always talk about on the show like, oh man, I wish I would have played this, I would have won. Well, this weekend was the flip side for me. Uh, Football plays would have not been great. So I am thanking the betting gods for not allowing me to place a bunch of my official plays on the NFL. Uh, I would have been good in college football, but that's about it. And even then, that's such a roll of the dice like we always talk about. And I've been okay in college football. But over over the entire weekend, I think at least for me, my official plays were eh in the NFL. I'm kind of like you. So that's just sometimes the way it goes in the NFL. We're going to get into all of that. Man, we get some baseball tonight. A critical, a, a you know, the winner between the Astros and Rangers goes to the World Series. Philly trying to close things out. We got Monday Night Football as well. Got the Vikings going at it against the 49ers. So there is a ton to get to. Before we get to any of that, tell me about your lone best bet on Friday. <sighs> Man, I feel like Venmoing Craig Kimbrell for this one. 
What a way to lose a game. Had the Phillies on the money line. And once again, Craig Kimbrell ruins everything. Came in, blew the save. Dimebacks won that game six to five. So now do I continue to say, okay, the Phillies, they're going to win for me this time because we have to bet on their game tonight. So we'll see. At least they're back at home. But uh, that one hurt pretty bad because the Phillies were up five, two. And then what do you know? Craig Kimbrell comes in and instantly there goes the lead. God, I know. I was on that game as well. Also had Devils Isles under six and a half. That was a big fat loser. Devils win in overtime 5-4 on Friday night. But I was like you. I was sitting, watching in my living room, and I was like, oh, there's the Kimbrell tax right there. I almost texted you. I was like, man, we had this bad boy once again. He doesn't come home for us. So a couple L's for this guy. As for the Donkster, someone got a win on Friday. Thank goodness. He had Seahawks laying seven and a half against the Cardinals. Seahawks win 20 to 10. And then Buffalo at Kent State over 44. I gotta lie. I'm not gonna lie. I don't much about that game. I do know the Buffalo won that game 24-6. So that was a loss for the Donkster. As for Double D and his Degen Parlay, it did not come home. I'm looking at four dubs and one, two, three losses so you're over 500 but you got to hit every single leg also the odds on that were 172 to one before the week chelsea you went four three and one i went five four and one and the doctor right there evening things up at four and four it is a daily tip from bank ul presented by bet mgm she is chelsea i'm jinx and let's get into sunday night football last night Eagles handling the Dolphins 31-17. The Eagles minus three. Eagles minus 150 on the money line. Total set at 52 and a hook. And the under hits. The key to this game, not surprisingly, Jalen Hurts. The Eagles quarterback does throw a pick six in the third quarter, which ties the game at 17. But he immediately rebounds on the next drive with this to A.J. Brown. Eagles trying to retake the lead. Call courtesy of Mike Tirico on NBC Sports. Hertz goes 23 of 31, 279 yards, two touchdowns a pick. He also rushes for a touchdown as well. So wearing those throwback Kelly Green uniforms, the Eagles improved to 6-1 and one this season. And Chelsea, here we are, seven games into the NFL season, and the only two teams sitting at 6-1, and one, the Eagles and the Chiefs, last year's Super Bowl matchup. Right. And I think we're sensing a trend with the Dolphins because right now I'm looking, their wins have only come against teams with losing records. Do you think this is a red flag for the Dolphins? The fact that when they play a halfway decent team, they can't put up those points that they're so much known for. Because look at that Bills game. Lost that one 48 to 20. Then they face the Eagles, which on the road at Philadelphia, it's not an easy task. So maybe you get a bit of a free pass there. And I know a lot of people Mm -hmm. were mad about the officiating this one. But the Dolphins only putting up a 17 spot. And really when it came to their team yards as well, it's not like they were moving the chains. Only had 244 total yards of offense. A far cry from the 466 that we saw in some of those games against really bad teams. So do you think that's the case? That the Dolphins can put up these monster numbers against bad teams, but when it comes to facing the cream of the crop, they look like mere humans? Yeah, I sort of, I feel like we, and maybe this isn't the best comparison, but I feel like we see this in college football a lot, which is if you have a high-powered offense and a lot of weapons and 
you are facing teams that are just completely mismatched on defense, then you can run up the score and you can look impressive. Then you face a team that has an actual defense that can scheme to stop you and you look like a different team. We've seen this from the Dolphins before, and I still like the Dolphins a lot. There's no shame in going to Buffalo and losing, going to Philadelphia and losing. Those are two very difficult places to play and two very good teams. But I'm not necessarily stunned because what what do the Eagles have? They have a great defense, just like the Bills have a great defense. So that overpowering, talent-laden offense that the Dolphins have, it works on a lot of teams, and it still can be very effective. Maybe a play or two goes differently, and they win last night's game, but they're not going to look as explosive against really good defenses. And I think you were sort of talking about this, like that's sort of the book on Miami, at least right now. Right. So in the meantime, I think what we learn is you take Miami when they're playing bad teams, whatever the number is, but when they're playing the good teams, buyer beware. Cause I think a lot of people saw this two and a half and thought, okay, at least the dolphins can keep it close. Uh, well, yeah. I also thought that the dolphins would at least cover in a teaser boy was my teaser. Not great this week. Uh, because I keep saying this time of year is when we should probably know who teams are, but look what the yeah. lions did to me yesterday. I thought for sure the Lions were in the dependable tier of NFL teams, <laughs> and then they go out and get stomped by the Ravens. So I'm questioning everything right now. But right now I am saying that maybe the Dolphins are a stay away when they're getting points, and mm -hmm. maybe you take them when they're laying the big number against some of these bad teams. Next week they have the Patriots. Maybe that's a spot to bounce back for the Dolphins. They play at home. Uh, but then they go on the road to Arrowhead, on Sunday, November the 5th. So a couple of different scenarios for the Dolphins. We'll see if it pans out. Also something to keep an eye on is that Jalen Hurts was wearing a knee brace on his leg, his left leg in the second half of this game. And so he looked fine, right? He played through it. But they asked him about this injury after the game. Will this be a problem moving forward? And all he said was, I hope not. I don't want to catastrophize here, but that doesn't sound good. He looked good, but that's something to keep an eye on when you run a quarterback as much as they run Jalen and obviously throws the ball. But remember, this happened last year where he broke, what, his clavicle and then missed at least a couple games. I'm not going to say he's going to miss time, but he is certainly not 100%. So if I'm an Eagles fan, I would just be holding my breath just a little bit because he didn't say, I'm fine or it's going to be okay. He was just like, oh, I hope, I hope this doesn't hurt. Well, especially because of the timing, because last year yeah. it didn't seem to matter quite as much because they had already been so dominant in the regular season that they didn't even have to win games late in the year. And so the urgency wasn't really there. They didn't really need Jalen Hurts. But now we are only in October. If he's going to be out for a big mm -hmm. chunk of time, which I don't think he is, like he probably just will be playing a little banged up and a little under the weather. So I don't think it's really a concern until he's out of game. Uh, but we'll see. A win is a win is a win for Philadelphia. This was a good one over a solid Miami team. So for a team that hasn't been super dominant this year, doesn't this feel like one of the more dominant wins that we've seen uh, yes. for the Eagles? Like, I know in the first half it didn't really seem like it because people said, oh, yeah. Jalen Hurts throwing a pick six. Uh, but it did feel like a dominating win, at least at the end. Uh, no question. And what I loved, too, was – Look, he did throw that big six, and what does he do? He responds immediately, drives these guys down the field, finds A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown with a huge game, by the way. Ten catches, 137 yards, and a touchdown. So when you respond like that, I think it's an exceptional sign. Eagles look just fine. And again, 
along with the Chiefs, the only 6-1 and one teams in the National Football League. It is a daily tip for BetQL, presented by BetMGM. Hope you're having a great Monday morning. She's Chelsea. I'm Jinx. How about some baseball? We will have a Game 7 in the ALCS, because last night, the Rangers whipped the Astros 9-2. Astros were minus 130, but it's the Rangers who come home at plus 110 on the money line. Total set at 8 and a hook, the overhits. The road team... Perfect in this series, and so is Rangers starter Nathan Avaldi. Moves to 4-0 in the playoffs, allows two earned over six and a third innings. Both Mitch Garver and Jonah Heim hit home runs for Texas before Dolas Garcia unloads in the ninth. In the ninth, Stanek swung one. is thrilled on a line. Left field and gone! Adolis Garcia makes his statement, and the Rangers have their sights set on game seven. Call courtesy of Fox, a grand slam for Garcia, and the Rangers go from leading this team, or leading this game, I should say, 3-2 in the sixth inning, to blowing this one wide open, and now we get a Game 7 tonight in Houston, Chelsea. Right, for all the marbles in the the Lone Star State, the interstate rivalry, you couldn't have scripted this one any better Uh, because these two teams, they hate each other. We've seen benches clear already in this series, Mm -hmm. but this is our second go-through the starting rotation for both of these teams. And it feels like the trend is you play the Rangers when they have their two best pitchers, when Jordan Montgomery's pitching and when Nathan Ovaldi is pitching. Because Ovaldi, great in this one, a perfect 4-0, I believe, in the postseason. Six and one, uh, six and a third innings pitched here, only two earned runs. But the next pitching matchup we have is Max Scherzer against Christian Javier. And we have Mm -hmm. seen that story before, and it did not go well for Max Scherzer. So all of the momentum that the Rangers now have, do you think they're feeling nervous that it's Max Scherzer on the mound in a winner-take-all game? I mean, sort of. You know how much I love Max. I love Max. The only thing the Rangers have going for them here is that the visiting team has won every game in this series and that the Astros, during the regular season – and during the postseason, have had a losing record, so they're a much better team on the road. But, yeah, I'm with you. When you look at Max, he just – he could come out and he could be unbelievable. He's been in this situation before. He will not be phased by the moment, but he's just not in good form right now. And what I worry about is how healthy is he? Because, yes, he's healthy enough to pitch, but this was a, this was a quick road back for Max, and you know his mentality – if he can pitch, he's going to pitch. doesn't matter if he's 100% or not. So what I worry about is, A, the effectiveness we've seen thus far, and B, just how healthy he is. But that makes me that makes me lean Astros, even though they're playing at home. Also, just because of the matchup, clearly the Astros are seeing his pitch as well. Even when they weren't recording hits, they were flying out at the wall. They were making yeah. great connection off of his pitches. So I don't know if it was just that night his stuff wasn't working, but we've seen it. His effectiveness wasn't nearly as good as it was in years past this year. Like, what do you have, like a 3-5 ERA, which is not terrible. It's just not the domination that we're used to seeing attached to the right. last name Scherzer. So I think I would be on the Astros just simply because of the pitching matchup because you could kind of – Look at these games. And a lot of it is based on the pitching matchup, like I said. So I think the only trump card in this one is if the Rangers put up a nine spot, obviously they will be in this game. But Christian Javier has been nails in the postseason. I would not expect that to uh, end here. 
but maybe the over is the play because the over's really been the play mm, in yeah. most of these games between the Rangers and the Astros. Both these offenses have major power potential. Oh, this is going to be great. Think about it. We get some afternoon baseball, I believe, around a 5 o'clock start for the NLCS. Got the ALCS starting at 8.03 in Houston. They got Monday Night Football. Niners and Vikings. going to be one of those nights that it's just great to be a sports fan. Coming up next on the show, Caleb Williams has exited the chat. We will recap what went down in Week 8 in college football as the Utes and the Trojans a rare loss at the Coliseum. It is a daily tip for BetQL presented by BetMGM. Hope you're having a great Monday morning. Stay right there. Chelsea and Jenks will be right back on the daily tip presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Welcome back to The Daily Tip, presented by BetMGM. With Michael Jenkins and Chelsea Messenger on the BetQL Network. Welcome back. The Daily Tip for BetQL, presented by BetMGM. Coming up in just moments, we will talk college football as the Buckeyes' dominance over the Nittany Lions continues. Chelsea, I have to tell you, I was so annoying this weekend as a college football fan. You ever annoy yourself? I don't know if you ever get this way, but <laughs> I was watching this Texas game against Houston, and now I'm so down on Texas because Quinn Ewers is out for, at minimum, best-case scenario, a couple weeks. He's got a shoulder sprain of some sort, a shoulder issue, if he comes back at all. So I'll wait for more information on that. But our defense is playing terribly. We were up 21 nothing in that game. And it came down to the fourth quarter where Texas got a really, really gratuitous spot when Houston was on offense. Like it should have been first down Houston and Texas got lucky. And all of a sudden it was fourth and inches and Houston didn't convert on fourth and inches. But the entire time I was so annoying. The lovely Catherine is sitting there on the couch. Why I can't I can't sit down. I'm walking around and I'm pacing. I'm like, I'm not, watch this. Watch this, honey. Another pass across the middle. Oh, there it is. There it is. Watch this. Another crossing route. Oh, there it is. I'm just so you ever get like that when you watch sports when you're so invested, where I finally had to take a break and say, Hey, I'm sorry. Let's let's watch a movie. Let's relax. Let's do something else for the rest of the night. Just for, for three hours, I'm an absolute psychopath. Uh, yeah, I bet on games. How do you think I am when I lose bets like this? Uh, so yes, been there, done that many times, especially when it's a bet like you should have won. Like yeah. the, going back to the Phillies, Craig Kimbrell, good God. The second he came in that game, I was like, all right, Jack, here it comes. He's going to give up all the runs and the Phillies are going to lose. And what do you know? He gave up all the runs and the Phillies lost. So I am not mm -hmm. like this as a fan as much. But I am like this when I bet on teams because it's not just my money. It's like my reputation on the line, too, because we give out these picks on the show and people like chirp me so hard when I lose bets that like it doesn't matter if it was close or if I lost it in the ninth inning. All they see is a loss is a loss is a loss. So I definitely get like this and I can definitely relate. Yeah, I was that guy. And I hate it, too, when. Look, Texas was a 23-and-a-half-point favorite going into that game. So I need I – I was looking for an easy kickback, have a drink, just watch your team win. There's nothing worse than we are expected to win in a big game and a big situation, especially coming off a loss. And you're like, ah, finally I get to relax a little bit. No, 
doing it to relax at all. Stressed out. Speaking of stressed out. All right, Double D, let's talk some college football here. Get ready to come in. Let's let's first kind of give you the numbers as to what went down at the show over the weekend where number three, Ohio State, does down number seven, Penn State, 20 to 12. Ohio State laying four points. They were minus 190 on the money line. Total set at 46 and a hook. The under hits. Marvin Harrison Jr. might be the best player in the country, and he looked like it on Saturday. McCord over the middle. Harrison Jr. again down the sideline. Maserati Mar. Touchdown. <laughs> Touchdown. Highlight courtesy of Fox. 11 catches. 162 yards and a touchdown. The Buckeyes defense holds Penn State to one of 16 on third down. The Buckeyes have now beaten Penn State seven straight times. Double D, how do you feel about James Franklin? What happened in Columbus? Because everyone was on Penn State, and I think us on this show, we like Penn State too. As it was last year. Same exact plan as last year. Let Marvin Harrison eat for Ohio State. And they could not stop him for a second year in a row. Why this kid is not getting any Heisman talk whatsoever is beyond my comprehension. I have never, and I mean never, seen a wide receiver be able to take over games like Marvin Harrison Jr. does. Number two, that offensive scheme that Penn State had coming into this game was absolute trash. You didn't, they threw maybe two balls over 20 yards the entire game, one of 16 on third downs. What are you doing? And yeah, you're right. At this point, the question has to be asked. All right, James Franklin has gotten us to here, but is he ever going to be able to get us to here? It has to be talked about at this point. It's been enough is enough is enough. But that being said, the better team won. The better player on the team won. So kudos to Ohio State for winning the game. Right now, I have Ohio State as the number one team in the Big Ten. Because if Marvin Harrison can do this against a very, very, very talented secondary in, in Penn State, He's going to annihilate that secondary at Michigan. And the only reason they didn't beat Michigan last year is because he got hurt in that game. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Chelsea, let me ask you this. We talked about this last week. Everyone was on Penn State. Everyone was on Penn State. And I believe you were the initial person to bring it up. When everyone is on one side, shouldn't you take a look at the other side? And that's kind of what went down here. Exactly, because not only did we get this feeling, but also the line shifted. It was five and a half come kickoff, I believe. So the line was going the other direction in favor of Ohio State. But if the game is a final score of 20 to 12, and you had the five and a half, 
it feels like you didn't make a bad play. So this was a very low scoring game, points at a premium, and had all the makings of why you should take the five and a half. But, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes it's just like that. And sometimes college football is not very uh, nice to you when you're betting. Luckily, I didn't play this one officially, but I was watching this one on the treadmill and it was an early start. Uh, it kind of shocked me that we had a noon game on this one. It felt like a game that at least deserved like the afternoon window. But I'll say this, Penn State's defense at least kept him in. I know Marvin Harrison mm-hmm. Jr. was an absolute cheat code, but still, you know, you only uh, left him with 20 points on the table. And I think the bottom line is, David kind of alluded to this, the lack of mm-hmm. the downfield passing game for Penn State, because wasn't this a question mark going into the game? So many reporters had asked James Franklin about letting Drew Aller throw the ball down the field, and I think it really burned him here. So we'll see if they start to work on that. Maybe he's just not as effective down the field, but I don't know. It feels like there's been a leash on him all season long. Maybe it will change, but I don't know. This feels like a big loss for Penn State. Yeah, it's a tough one. James Franklin and hitting that ceiling will be a talking point all week long because he just cannot get over the hump. Let's head out west. Number 14, Utah upsetting number 18, USC, 34-32. The Utes getting 7.5 points. Utah plus 235 on the money line. Total set at 51.5. The over hits. The Utes rally behind their third-string quarterback, Bryson Barnes, who goes 14 of 23 for 235 yards and three touchdowns. He leads the Utes inside the 20 with just five seconds to play after a 26-yard scramble. And then Cole Becker for the win. It is a 38-yard field goal as time expires, so Lincoln Riley takes his first loss ever at the Coliseum while essentially ending the Heisman hopes of quarterback Caleb Williams. He goes 24 of 34, 256 yards, rushes for 27 yards, and a touchdown. And once again, that USC defense cannot stop anybody. Right. How are you going to give up over 30 points to a third-string quarterback at Utah? This offense was not an offense that most people were afraid of. But do you think there's something to the fact that Utah absolutely owns USC? They've won the last three straight and all three of those games. USC's had Caleb Williams. Because, listen, there were a lot of hot takes coming uh, out of this game after the game about Caleb Williams. People saying, oh, he needs to quit now. He needs to stop playing college football right now and just focus on the NFL. Why would you want to quit college football after a bad game? Wouldn't you at least want one good game under your belt before you go to the NFL? I don't understand that at all, but I feel like I am tired of making excuses for Caleb Williams because I think the excuse here would be, okay, maybe Utah's defense owns Caleb Williams because we have seen this Mm -hmm. in the past three games against Utah. But, like, how many excuses am I supposed to make? Because, you know, last time it was like, okay, it was on the road at Notre Dame. It's one game. Larger sample size. Caleb Williams is still a great quarterback. Should I continue to be making excuses for Caleb Williams? No, he just just didn't get it done. He just did not get it done. And I still think he's going to be the number one pick in the draft. That can be debated. Maybe it's Marvin Harrison Jr., but teams tend to go for quarterbacks. It's a different argument. But, yeah, I I did not expect him to 
wilt. And and maybe wilt is is too strong of work. Utah plays exceptional defense. This is one of the best defenses in the country. So let's not go overboard and act like all of a sudden that Caleb Williams didn't perform well against a bad defense. The Utes can play D. Kyle Willingham is a hell of a head coach. And Caleb Williams is still minus 300 to go number one overall. I don't know if you saw this. Oh, my God. Emmanuel Acho has the worst takes on the planet. And he said, this I guy said. went to Texas. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, my God. It's just like, geez. I, 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 uh, he should not sit out. He should keep playing. They've lost two straight. It it happens. He is, I think he's going to be fine. But USC, it's, it's not helping. You have to have a complete team. And I'm not making excuses for Caleb Williams. He wasn't great in this team. But USC is far from a complete team. Yeah, how much of the blame goes on Lincoln Riley now? Because as somebody who is a big name who's getting paid a lot of money, they have not been great against top 10 teams. USC now 2-5 and five against ranked opponents under Lincoln Riley. I know three of those have been Utah, so maybe that's part of the problem. But still, it feels like USC is the Miami Dolphins of college football. They put up these incredible numbers mm-hmm. when they're playing bad teams, but the second they play a contender – is when they kind of go a little bit cold. And I guess they only lost this game by two points, so it's not like they got boat raced or anything. And again, it does feel like the defense is the problem when you're giving up 34 points to a third-string quarterback. Maybe we start there. That's a good place to start. I don't feel bad because I'm not a big USC guy and a third-string quarterback getting it done for Utah. By the way, let's put this to bed. Once and for all, Cam Rising is not going to play this season. Utah has made that announcement. Down in Tallahassee, number four, Florida State. Rips number 16, Duke 38, 20. Florida State laying 14. They were minus 600 on the money line. Total set at 48 and a hook at BetMGM. The overhits. Last week, I was talking about putting some money on Jordan Travis to win the Heisman Trophy at 16 to 1. Now he's 7 to 1. He goes 27 of 36, two touchdowns and a pick rushes for 62 yards and a score and the Seminoles get some special teams work from Deuce Spawn in the first half. Spawn from the one whose coverage has been strong so far tonight but he breaks free. Deuce Spawn in a foot race. He'll never catch him in the no special teams. Strike back quickly. 99 yards. Chris Fowler, so good. Fowler with the call on ABC. The Seminoles then outscored the Blue Devils 21-0 in the second half with all of those points coming in the fourth quarter. And Chelsea, Florida State, the lone remaining undefeated team in the ACC. Right. And you look at their schedule. They have a a couple of maybe road bumps or uh, bumps in the road. They've got Miami on November the 11th, which is a rivalry game, usually a good one, even though I think they should be able to take care of business at home. Uh, And then the last game of the season, they go on the road to Florida. Florida's very much up and down, definitely not a team that is at its peak this year, but still, again, another rivalry game. So I think this is definitely a schedule that Florida State can end up undefeated, I don't know, though, because they have played in some games a little bit too close for comfort, even against those lesser opponents. Like, remember that Boston College game? Barely squeaked by in that one. So I think in college football, you can look at the schedule and say, hey, this is an easy schedule. They should win all these games. But sometimes it's just not the case. But, Jenks, do you think the Heisman is the better bet here 
like you said it, Jordan Travis, uh, what was he, 17 to 1 or something last week? Now he's climbed up the odds board. And like I said, if you think this Florida State team will end the season undefeated, I think maybe that's the stronger play. I made that play last week just based on their schedule. They don't face another ranked team in the ACC. It is a weakened conference. So, And they already have a big win over Clemson. This was a nice dominating win as well over Duke. Duke's a very good football team. But now they have a couple of quality wins. They don't face anyone ranked from here on out. So Jordan Travis can go ahead and pad his stats. Yeah, I I don't like it nearly as much now as I did last week when it was 16-1. to 1, But you could see the possibility of J.J. McCarthy of Michigan is now leading this race. So I... If they get knocked out, Ohio State has an exceptional defense as well. If he has a bad game into the year while Travis is cruising, I think Travis could absolutely slip in and win this thing. Oh, uh, what's going on with Michael Penix Jr.? Is there something that I am not aware of? Uh, they didn't he lose, just had, did they? They, they just didn't had a lose, tough but game. He, he had a tough game where he didn't put up the stats that you're used to seeing from him, and that's why these Heisman odds are so variable. It just takes one off game, even if you win, and all of a sudden, you move down a little bit. Coming up next here on the show, we're going to move up a level and get you set for Monday Night Football in Minneapolis. She's Chelsea. I'm Jinx. It is the Daily Tip for BetQL, presented by BetMGM. Come on back. Chelsea and Jenks will be right back on the Daily Tip presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Let's get back to the Daily Tip with Chelsea Messenger and Michael Jenkins presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Welcome back to the show. Coming up shortly, Kirk Cousins tries to turn things around in prime time. We're going to get you ready for Monday Night Football. Chelsea, what's one of the worst takes you've ever had? I had a take a few years ago when Kirk Cousins played for the Redskins, before they were the Washington football team, before they were the Commanders. And I always said, if Kirk Cousins gets some talent around him, he's going to be awesome. Now, he has been a lot better. There's no question about that. But to me... I was always pontificating and preaching the idea that this guy can lead a team to a lot of playoff success with talent around him. And, and he has been a very good quarterback. It's not an awful take, and I'm sure I've had worse ones. That's just the first one that pops into my mind. And I was wrong because now I'm not anti-Kirk Cousins, but he, he was put in a very good situation on a very good team with a lot of weapons around him, but he tends to wilt in big spots. So it's not one of my better takes. What does it take? And it could just be a, an opinion that you had on one player that you thought would turn into something and maybe he or she didn't. I think it's really easy to have bad takes on quarterbacks. Look at NFL franchises. They do it all the time. And they are paid to evaluate talent. So I as well have had a bad quarterback take. I really thought Johnny Mandel was going to tear it up in the NFL. Uh, yeah. And maybe he would have if he wouldn't have had off-field drama. But Johnny Mandel, man... I thought he was going to be the guy for Cleveland. And especially because it was in that era where LeBron James was still in Cleveland. So I was like, oh man, it's a renaissance. They've got all these celebrity star athletes there. He's really going to be the guy to bring Cleveland out of this muck where you have all of the fans wearing the jerseys that have quarterback after quarterback after quarterback and nobody sticks in Cleveland. So that one was wrong. 
But I do think that is the hardest position to be right on. Like how many executives are saying the same thing where they're saying, oh. okay, well, I've had some bad takes on quarterbacks and it's put our franchise underwater for multiple years. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it does happen. I've said this before, but the worst take I've ever heard from a friend of mine, and we've never let him forget it, was when Jeff Capel played at Duke. And he was like, Jeff Capel is going to be the next Michael Jordan. And we were like, I, and this is a smart guy. He's very smart at sports, but this was just the one take he had. We were like, I don't think so there, buddy. He didn't even make it in the NBA. And he's been a successful college coach, but Jeff Capel is Michael Jordan. To me, that will always be my number one worst. If you're going to say someone's going to be the next Michael Jordan, buddy, you better, you're pushing all your chips in on that one. Well, that's why you don't compare people to the all-time greats because those right. people are a You are never – you're probably not going to have another Michael Jordan. Like LeBron James, pretty damn close. Like I remember when he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated mm -hmm. for kids when he was like a high schooler and people saying, oh, he's the next great prospect. And I was like, eh, we'll see. Uh, because there's been so many of these prognostications – that have gone wrong because, you know, it sells magazines. You want somebody who has mm -hmm. all this hype to say he's the GOAT, he's the next GOAT of his sport. But the LeBron one was pretty spot on. So I will tip my hat to Sports Illustrated for Kids for sending <laughs> me that fold-out poster of LeBron James when he was in high school. Uh, he was everything everyone said he was going to be and more and still playing, which is crazy because that was so long ago. Chelsea, let's talk about the right now, as in Monday Night Football, the Niners at the Vikings tonight. Niners laying seven points, Niners minus 300 on the money line. Vikings at plus 240, your total set at 43 and a half. This spread has inched up from Niners minus six and a half. The total has come down a point from 44 i will defer to you here i don't necessarily have a strong opinion on this game i think i would lean niners but now we're talking about a full touchdown so i don't know yeah i don't think i want to lay a full touchdown with the niners on the road when they have some key injuries in this one the good news is maybe we get christian mccaffrey back it looks like he is trending towards playing for the niners but you still have trent williams uh one of the best left tackles in the entire game of football he's gonna be out you also have Debo Samuel out, who we know is the guy on their roster who, other than Christian McCaffrey, probably the only other guy who can turn in like a third and 21 into a first down off of like a little slant route pass. Uh, a very dynamic receiver and somebody who can run the football as well. So two big pieces on the Niners missing. I don't know. I don't think this is a game where I'd want to lay seven points, especially when we have seen primetime games really be a cash cow to the under. So if you think points are at a premium, I know the book on the Vikings is that Kirk Cousins is not good in primetime, but we're talking yeah. about a full touchdown here. Uh, we know one thing, that the Vikings can at least keep it close with some of the best teams in football. They did it against the Chiefs. They did it against the Eagles. Mm -hmm. So I think if it was anything for me, it will be Vikings full game plus seven. I would lean to the Niners, but I'm definitely not playing this. I would rather play a prop or I would lean to the under, even though the BetQL model says the over is the play. But money, again, coming in on the under with the total set now at 43. I, I'm not too worried about the Niners' injuries because I know Debo Samuel is out, but Christian McCaffrey will play, even though he has, what, a slightly torn oblique. So he's going to play. The question is how effective – Will he be? But I don't 
I don't worry about that too much because there's no question. Like Debo Samuel is a dynamic player, and certainly not having him in that offense means maybe a touch of a step back for San Francisco. But they still have so many weapons on offense, and their defense is so good. San Francisco is one of those few teams that doesn't have to score a lot necessarily because their defense is so good, and they can still dominate you. This is the best defense in pro football. So what I wonder is, can the Vikings or how are the Vikings going to be able to put up points on San Francisco, especially now that Justin Jefferson is out? Right. Uh, I think it's still going to be difficult. And I think that's why kind of the under kind of looks like a good play to me. But mm-hmm. there are some other options here. If you don't want to trust the Vikings and Kirk Cousins, which I totally get it. Nobody ever wants to trust him. But I was looking at the first half and the first quarter lines. Last night, the first quarter line was a half. And I think this is still available at some spots. It's not available at BetMGM. But you get mm-hmm. the Niners minus a half in the first quarter. Or you can take the Niners minus three and a half in the first half. Because one thing the Niners have done uh, really well this season is come out guns of blazing on the offense. In fact, they are averaging the third most points in the first quarter of any team in the NFL, averaging 6.8 points per game in the first quarter alone. Then you look at Minnesota. This is a team that's been the absolute slowest of starters. Uh, The third worst team in the first quarter of any team in the NFL, averaging a cool one point per game in the first quarter so maybe that's the way to go even on the road the Niners offense has usually been pretty solid in the first quarter so maybe you can look at the Niners in the first half or the first quarter if you don't want to lay the full seven that's not a bad idea I kind of like that a lot I'm not as good as well I just it's not a bet I look at enough so that maybe that's something that I should look at as well because I like that quite a bit how do you feel about the total here I feel like this is – I like this bet more than I do aside. I feel like that, again, this is one of those games where the Niners could dominate and win like 24-13 and you get an easy under. And I feel like if you're San Francisco here, you just dominate the time of possession and then you wear down that Vikings defense. And eventually I think they do get worn down because I see the Vikings with a lot of – quick possessions on offense and all of a sudden that keeps their defense on the field quite a bit by the whole quarter slowly the Niners pull away which would make this an under game at least that's how I see this going down I'm a little snake bitten on unders because we saw some really high scoring affairs in the NFL like I had the under in the Browns and Colts game Good God, I think there was like over 65 points scored total in that game. So I think it's going to be a stay away from me because we saw it last week where unders were really the trend. 12-2 and unders went last week in the NFL, and usually the pendulum swings the other way where some of these totals were set a little too low. So I know primetime unders have really been the play, but it doesn't feel like a play that I really want to play, especially with that Viking secondary being as bad Mm -hmm. as it has been. Viking secondary allowing the second most fantasy points to wide receivers, and the Niners are still a very good offense. And here's my problem. I think when the Niners are winning, they're a team that usually keeps their foot on the gas pedal. Like we've seen them Mm -hmm. with some really dominant wins. So I think that would be your sabotage factor for the under is that the Niners keep chugging along and they never say die when it comes to some of these blowout games. And also the Vikings offense at least can maybe put up some points in garbage time. So I think I would be a little nervous about a full game under. Maybe you could look at the first half under if you are worried about garbage time touchdowns. Uh, but I think maybe the props world is where I would look as opposed to a total. 
would you be willing to do a same game parlay and play it up, hit the under, and then what? Drop down this line to Niners minus one? Well, I like the Niners minus one, but teasing totals, and we haven't talked about this too much, teasing totals Mm -hmm. is where it gets a little hairy because – there's not as many um, – It's points are not as much at a premium when you are teasing totals. Like, it is a big shift when you're taking Niners uh, minus 7 to Niners minus 1. But if this game's mm-hmm. a free-for-all, like, you could lose that. So I don't think I am yeah. interested in teasing totals. Uh, again, I think I will just look at some props in this one. And we have injuries on both sides of the ball that kind of open up some targets for other people. I think with the absence of Debo Samuel – you look at Brandon Ayuk, the matchup suggested, like I said, the Vikings giving up yeah. the second most fantasy points to wide receivers and also the fourth most receptions. Brandon Ayuk has had some big games this year, had 76 in that last one when they had a ton of injuries, even against a good Browns defense, which I am you know, starting to question after that game against the Colts. But still, right. uh, he's had three games where he's gone over 70 and a half, and that is the number. Yes, it's a high number, but I do think he sees quite a few targets in this one, especially with the absence of Debo Samuel. Yeah, I'm going to go over his reception prop, which is four and a half receptions at minus 140. I don't really mind the price here. Now, he's only hit this in two of his five games this season, but he had four receptions each against both the Browns and the Cowboys in the past two weeks, and those are two of the best defenses in the league. Vikings don't qualify. You mentioned Devo Samuel being out with any plays for that, so I think I'm going to go over his reception prop. Yeah, the only reason I don't do reception props is that if you think somebody has big play potential and they can get it with like a couple catches, that's where you're really limiting yourself. And I think that's the case with Ayuk. So I'll ride with his yards. All right, you go yards. I'm going receptions. Coming up next here on the show with so much happening. How can we possibly pick a winner of the weekend? Well, we're going to do our level best. Of course, I'm talking about MVP Monday. You're listening to the Daily Tip from BetQL, presented by BetMGM, the king of parlays. We got hour two coming your way next. For more, listen to the Daily Tip, presented by BetMGM. Weekday mornings from 6 to 9 Eastern on the BetQL network, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts.